Hey everybody, this is Jade and welcome to another episode of Jade Start Secrets Podcast. In this episode, I caught up with Shireen Duran. She's a 24-year-old tech entrepreneur who founded her own startup with nothing, no money, just an idea, fresh out of uni, and managed to secure nearly $300,000 in funding within weeks of her idea being conceptualized. And I caught up with her to hear all about her stories, the ups and downs in having a tech startup, and she shared some really valuable insights into what it's like managing a tech startup. So I hope you enjoy the interview. So the big question is this, how do we have the freedom we crave so badly when we're stuck in jobs we don't like, leaving us unfulfilled, exhausted and trapped? What if I told you that you're already qualified enough to start building a life on your terms, the life of your dreams? That is the question and this podcast will show you how by giving you the answers. My name is Jade Weller and welcome to Jade Start Secrets Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Jade and welcome to another episode of Jade Start Secrets Podcast. In this episode, I'm with Shireen Duran. She's the founder of Adzura. Um, they're a tech startup company that is um, all about making fashion accessible and easy. Um, and we're here to share um, Shireen's story. So, yeah, um, yes. Hi everyone, my name is Shireen. Um, yes, I'm the founder, I'm the sole founder of Adzura which is a, a fashion tech startup company um, based on the Gold Coast, where basically what we use is uh, we try to integrate uh, and put together all these fashion boutiques onto one platform so you can discover different fashion overseas, locally as well, mm-hmm. um, based on your location as well as around the world. So yeah. that's what we do. And yeah, our story started in, well, in 2017. Um, I just graduated from Bond, mm-hmm. so that's where I met Jade. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so I had graduated from a Bachelor of Laws and International Relations. Mm-hmm. I had just gone to my first job. So previously, uh, after whilst I was at university, I had a corporate law background. So I worked in corporate law. And then I worked into personal bankruptcy, which is more in the finance area. It's more where I work at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's quite funny. So yeah, and everything after that. So I graduated and then I on to finance and I did eight months and everyone can kind of understand that it's not exactly the best area to work in mm-hmm. uh, personal bankruptcy is quite emotionally draining yeah and uh, after eight months of doing that I quit and started my own company my yep. own tech startup so how did the idea come about how did you like was it just in a big epiphany moment or <laughs> yeah it's actually funny um so at that point uh, when I first started I had actually gone through quite a, a rigorous relationship breakdown and after that I kind of was just like I need to do something else like mm. I don't think that this nine-to-five job is for me I love getting my hands dirty I like working uh, I know it sounds funny, but mm. I do like working um, and I hated the fact that, you know, having to work nine to five was just, that was it, Yeah. you know, and so I, I didn't want that to be the rest of my life. So I booked a trip to Paris mm-hmm. um, as well as um, a few other cities in Europe and I was like, I'm just going to go there. Yeah. I took three weeks of leave off um, yeah. and I took a flight to Europe. And I met some girlfriends there and whilst I was in Paris, I noticed that all I could really find were these large retail stores like Zara and H&M and Nike and for that, I was just like, no, this isn't what I went to Paris for. I wanted to purchase from local boutiques, local fashion stores. And during that time, I couldn't Mm because I 
there was no app or no way for me to figure out what was in my location. Yeah. And that's where Ezra started. I went, came back and started designing. Yeah. So I imagine for somebody who doesn't have a tech background, it couldn't have just been as easy as you come home and started this business. Surely you had to learn a bit of tech to make this happen. Yeah. How did you, how did you bring an idea and a concept into an app that people can now download from the App Store? Yeah, sure. So it wasn't easy. <laughs> um, it took me a long time. Uh, from honestly, I think that okay. So I had taken that trip back home and I started designing. So I think the biggest first step is actually just to put your thoughts to paper, yeah. even though you don't know what it may look like. Yeah. And if it's not an app or a software program or a web app. It can be anything. If it's a, yeah. you know, if it's a product, like a, it's a tangible product, I think it's just to start designing what it looks like or what you envision the product to be. Yeah. It doesn't take a lot of time. Yes, you might put like an extra two hours after your day job, but honestly, like it, it's so worth it because yeah. you just don't know what's going to take you. Yeah. So when I first started, actually, most people don't know this. When I first started my company, I didn't know it was tech. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. So I um I honestly just was like I like apps. It's true, because not a lot of people connect tech with apps. They no, just think, I mean fashion. I'm a f- I'm going to be a fashion warehouse online kind of. Yeah, like, it's yeah. kind of like e-commerce, like yeah. you know something like that. I didn't put I didn't pinpoint tech to be applications. Yeah. So at that point, I was 22 years old. Yeah, and um and yeah, so I was I didn't. I was like, oh, I like Instagram, you know, yeah. I like social media. Yeah. I didn't pinpoint social media to be tech in any situation. I just said mobile apps was yeah. fun, you yeah. know, for me. And like ever since I've known mobile apps have existed. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't too difficult to um, kind of figure out, like, I like mobile apps. Yeah. Then after that, I, when I started designing, I was like, oh, this actually is probably the mobile app. Mm. And... I was like, okay, so what are mobile apps? And I had to do research online to know what tech was. Yeah. So, yeah. So a lot of people go, oh, like, you know, they've got like 10 years of experience in the tech space and then they might do a startup. I did it with, like, I think we were mentioning that before, like this childlike yeah. naivety. Yeah. So you've all heard me talk about how when you approach business, you have to do it with a childlike naivety in the sense that you're not constrained by barriers and boundaries and, and logistics, so to speak. You have to just look at it. If you're, going to get, if you're a magician and you want to walk through a wall, then don't discount it because you physically can't walk through a wall. Find a way to make it happen. So, exactly. Yeah. So I think that I had approached my business and my product yeah. with no barriers, with yeah. no, um, you know, I guess no walls in front of my eyes yeah. because I didn't know any better. Yeah. So You're like, surely an app can do this. Yeah. yeah. No, honestly. Yeah. yeah no, that was that was literally me. I had pitched it to an uh, to a um, software developer because once I knew it was a software program which I found out by Googling. Yeah. Um, then I approached the software developer. I was like, I'm going to do this. And yeah. they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, okay, we might be able to do this. Um, and so yeah, after that I had approached it. And then once I, you know, approached the software developer and they gave me the green light that they said with a few compromises, um, you know, after that, then they said that we would need to raise. And that's when I started raising capital. 
Yeah. So did you go from, um, and the reason I ask this is because a lot of people, when they first have an idea, they tend to keep the idea to themselves because yes. they're very worried that somebody's going to steal their idea. Mm -hmm. And you and I both know that people cannot be bothered to do that, but yes. a lot of people get so scared. So did you ever talk to anybody about your idea before you approached a software developer? How did you nut out yeah. what idea was going to look like to go and approach a software developer? Exactly. Um, so I would say that my my mental thinking around this problem I and I it's because of based on my previous experiences is that yes no one can really be bothered mm -hmm. to copy an idea on just an idea for example so if you get further into your startup and you know once you start growing it as well you start to realize that an idea is just a top level mm. or like a screenshot of what your business is mm. and before you can literally copy the entire idea from you know from the start to the end they're like 20 30 different steps and yeah. very difficult steps to get to the point of an idea yeah mm -hmm. so i would say like the idea is like the top of the iceberg and like the water underneath the iceberg is like yeah. really what counts right yeah. Yeah. so yeah so that's the reason why i would say that don't be afraid to share your ideas actually it becomes so it's a positive experience because you'll start to realize what actually matters to a consumer and what your clients would want um, as well as what people would want mm. and that type of feedback is so much more important than being scared of yeah. sharing your idea uh, we have always had an approach to um, our first approach was always to approach our customers yeah so since day one even when my idea was just an idea I had already approached customers so you were talking to girlfriends and I was friends. talking to girlfriends yeah. I was talking to my roommates I was talking to clients and brands just by the, so I would say like if you have a um, business and you are thinking of business join Facebook groups yeah uh, like you know Gold Coast Girls in Business I think that's yeah. one um, there's a few other business groups that you can join and ask yeah honestly just get a survey out and be like oh like what do you guys think about this and yeah. people will reply <laughs> yeah I actually had I did an interview with um, Joel Bushby he's the founder of TNT and he calls it the people apprenticeship yeah. he goes you have to do a few years of doing your people apprenticeship which is basically just interviewing your perfect customers and finding out what they like what they want what's working what doesn't and yeah yeah no honestly uh, just join Facebook groups I didn't find value in Facebook groups until now like really yeah. what value they bring and it's just to talk to other like-minded individuals who might find value in the product yeah so. so how did you go raising how did you go about so to give you a bit of context so Shireen's 22 has finished uni has this idea has worked a little bit in the corporate world but realized it wasn't her now she has this idea she needs to raise how much <laughs> we're trying to raise 800 to 1 million Right, eight hundred to a million dollars for your first business, yeah. and so how did you secure your first, your first angel investor? Yeah, sure. So, yes, we raised um, our angel round. We're currently raising our seed round now. Uh, we raised two hundred eighty-five thousand, um, quite early stage. Yeah, into our business. You have a gift, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, uh, it's not really that. I think the product and the team really makes up for it. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like. I would like to also say that convincing and persuading people isn't just about persuading investors in your startup, it's about persuading staff to work for you, yeah. uh, software developers to work for you, your tech yeah. requirements, uh, anything really, mm -hmm. customers, clients, consumers, you are always on this run to persuade people, yeah. um, even if it's just to download your product, right? Yeah. 
So I think that when, yeah, we, we raise really early stage. We raise, I think, a month into my idea. Mm-hmm. So I think when people say, oh, you can't raise just based on an idea, you can, and you yeah. definitely should be able to. Yeah. And it just is a matter of how well you present yourself, your financials, yeah. your pitch deck, and how well it is yeah. uh, designed, and also the value of the information there. Yeah. And just finding that perfect investor for you. Yeah. You know, I think that that's the biggest thing is a lot of investors, there's a lot of high net worth individuals out there mm. and they might just have an appetite for what you're building. Yeah. But you won't know unless you talk to people. Exactly. So yeah. that comes back to making sure like, you know, you don't just throw NDAs out there and like, yeah. you don't just say, hey, just sign my NDA. Just have a conversation. I think yeah. a lot of people go, oh, to raise investment, you have to do formal pitching and everything. Yeah. And that's very important. But... Honestly, like most of the investment raises I've had have just been conversations with investors, with key experts in the field. Uh, I've traveled across the world for my startup, from flights, from country to country, yeah. raising money. And yeah. um, it is literally just a contact and a network. Yeah. And then it's the power of networks, isn't it? We cannot underestimate the power of our networks. Hundred percent. I think we're pretty lucky at Bond. They really drilled that into us from from early days at Bond. Get out there and network. Honestly, I think that yeah, that's true. Bond has always been about building networks beyond Australia, yeah. and I think that's what one of the things that a lot of founders do get kind of sidetracked about is that Australia is like the tiniest country in this big world. Yeah, and you know, never be restricted by the boundaries of our geography yeah that's the biggest thing i think that people also need to understand like i have traveled i've lived in israel for my for my startup for work yeah, let's talk about that so how did you end up in israel for your, your sure. startup um okay so we got accepted into the australian landing pad program mm-hmm. in israel in tel aviv and that was through the australian program mm-hmm that was quite a special time for us. And was that quite early on? That was very early on. That was like six months into our startup. Mm. And uh, that was, so that took me from here, from Gold Coast, to Israel, to a new country with new values, with new attitudes, yeah. new ways to raise money and yeah. to work with people. Yeah. And that was a great experience. That was three months, so it's not just like a month or two weeks. <laughs> Yeah. You lived there for three months, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, we, there was another startup with us, and yeah. we basically every day we just drilled into like kind of like a boot camp scenario in a different country. So yeah. whilst you're trying to figure out what the food tastes like, and you're still trying to yeah. you know adapt to the cultures, you're yeah. also being drilled into this new f- business framework, yeah, um, which was very intense, but also really good, and it just raises you as a founder on yeah. another level. So even though you had this exponential growth as a founder, I understand that you also went through one of your toughest times while yes. you were over there. Uh-huh. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, no, it's good. I like it. I, I prefer to talk about the tough times of a startup rather than like the accomplishments because for me, I don't really, you know, although these accomplishments look beyond, you know, people, they might see what the startup to be. I think that that is just like part of the growth of your startup. It's like overnight success 10 years in the making. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like everyone's like, oh, you're starting to get traction now. But I'm like, I've been doing this for over a year. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, think, I even have university friends uh, reach out to me and say, how do I start up a, a start to do a startup, te- a tech startup, sorry. And 
I was like, oh wow, like it's early now. It's been like a year, mm. over a year, that mm. people like starting to realize what tech startups were. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I. Uh, what was the question again? Sorry? So when you were in Israel, you went through one of your toughest times with Izuru. Yes. So yeah, I'll, I'll speak about that. So yes, those are definitely highs and lows in a startup, and I think any business really. And in a tech startup, it's it can be if you're not a tech founder, like myself, I'm not a tech mm. founder. So it was the technology. Mm. So uh, last year we had actually outsourced the development of the tech development of our startup, and one of the that's the first, I guess. Like, but you had a you had a, a developer that worked within the company, though, right? Or was this before? This was before. So yeah. basically, what happened was, and that's like kind of like where the startup starts. So when we first raised um, that two hundred eighty five thousand um, investment fund, we actually hired a development agency to build the startup. Mm. Now, a good thing about that is that basically you can kind of shove it off and be like, this is the tech, like, can you build it? Mm. But this, actually the fault in that is that you are a founder with very little control over your product. Mm. And a startup is designed, and what makes it different to most businesses is that you're always developing every day. Every day is a new experience. You wake mm. up and that that functionality doesn't work, so you gotta rebuild it. Mm. Or we have to pivot because a consumer actually wants this and that. And not being able to do that on like a microcos- like microscopic scale mm. Mm. is difficult as a startup. Mm. So when I pushed off that product to another developer, uh, we lost a lot of control over our product. And that was a six months of production that just ended up being a complete waste of time. Mm. And we came out six months later with no product and the product was actually really bad. So you launched the product but nobody could download it from there? They could but it crashed all the time, yeah. there were so many bugs, you couldn't hold more than I think 100 users or something like that and we had like 500 600 people that downloaded it overnight. It was the worst experience any family could have. Like, Honestly, like and being mom, in another country at the same time. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> like you go, mom, dad. Honestly, and I uh, like it was true. Like, I was in another country. I had yeah. just uh, uh, we had just been accepted a week prior to launching the product, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna take the next flight out to um, Israel. Or I, I think we went to LA first, and we next thing I know, the product had launched and it wasn't actually working. Oh no! It was. Just the worst experience ever. So um, how did you recover from that? Mentally or physically? <laughs> Both. Like mentally, like your baby, your vision, your dream. Did actually like give you a moment where you thought maybe I can't do this? Yes, or, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no hesitation. I did have a moment where when that happened and I saw the gravity and the impact and the funds mm. that was put into it and that just completely worked. Uh, I think that... And to make it worse, they were a shareholder too, weren't they? Yes. <laughs> Yes, those shareholders as well. <laughs> Guys, there are people who are telling me that I have to do it. Um, yeah, so I have shareholders, I have investors, so they obviously aren't happy. And as a sole founder, you have to worry about the tech going down, mm. explaining to shareholders that your tech isn't appropriate, mm. and having to re- having no tech background to tell them that, um, not knowing where your tech went wrong, mm. uh, having no tech founder help you through that moment. And obviously, you have just lost this like thousands, mm. you know, over fifty grand, like mm. you know, back in just kind of in talking and time and time exactly. Mm. So I think, as I mentioned, a few of my blogs I do write blogs regularly is uh, that the biggest thing that a startup 
an asset the startup has, but also like, its biggest drawback is like the time and the capital. Yeah. So you're literally running against those two things. You need to mm. build a solid product within the capital that you have, and mm. the mis- more mistakes you have, draws back on your capital. Yeah. So that's like the biggest point there, and yeah, that's why. So when we are uh, when we launched, it was not fun. I had a lot of uh, you know people telling me that I should have done this, and I think a lot of people want to give their opinion. And I was in a different country, and I couldn't. Mm. I wasn't with my team, mm. so we couldn't reassess properly. Mm. And uh, basically, I had to make extremely hard and difficult decisions that no twenty-three-year-old should really go through. Mm. Wow. I- Hat off to you because I don't, I don't know how I would go in a situation like that. That's that's just a lot of variables in general, let alone all at the same time. That's that's crazy. So how did you recover from that? Yeah. So again, both mentally and how did you get your business back on track? And yeah, uh, I think that going through a moment like that in any startup mm. is a big learning curve, and it really does put like over, I would say, five years of experience in your life. I spoke to my dad even, he's like, I can't believe you're going through this at 23. Um, mm. I had to remove a shareholder off the company, mm. so I had to buy out, I had to learn about buyouts, um, I had to learn about how to install a new tech you know, team. Mm. I wanted to be internal so I could have more control over my product, mm. so I had to learn about hiring for tech talent that I didn't know. Mm. What I didn't know how to assess tech talent at that point, so I had to learn how to assess tech talent. Um, was that one of the skills you learned over in Israel? Learn a bit more about the tech so yes. that when you were when you came back and you had your own team, at least you could understand. Yeah, exactly. So I think the biggest experience we had when we were in Israel, uh, when I was in Israel, was actually working with all these amazing tech-focused individuals. Mm-hmm. So a lot of in startups, there's a lot of tech individuals, and there's also like the startup founders or you know the non-tech people around the startup area. And I think that I'm one of the the individuals that's non-tech. So coming into the world and implementing yourself in that world of tech mm-hmm. and actually sitting down with tech founders and understanding what their likes and their dislikes and their personalities, because mm-hmm. it's very different yeah. to like normal outgoing people. Mm. So I would say that, you know, sitting down with them and they all came from the military, so they were fantastic. Yeah. And just understanding and appreciating technology, I think, mm. and like going back down to earth and go, okay, like technology is amazing. Mm. You know, appreciating the art form of technology. Um, you know, my software developers always tell me like software developers aren't like they don't just implement software, right? They build it from scratch. Mm. So it's like telling a painter to just paint or like an artist to just like draw, you know, uh, a photo frame or whatever, a photo or whatever, or a paint, a painting within the, like two weeks and then just getting them to do that immediately yeah. within that two weeks. Mm. They've got to source the paints, they've got to know what color And then they also need the idea. They need the idea, yeah. Yeah, so software developers are very similar in yeah. the way that they work. It's like you've given them a task, you've gone, you've given them your vision, and you expect it to be built, what, like in two weeks or three weeks or six months or whatever it may be, but they actually put the technical aspect into your, into mm. your vision, which is more difficult than just actually mm. thinking of something, right? Yeah. So they actually have to, and then so they strip it back to like small different things, yeah. your vision. And that's why when you do have that software developer, which we end up hiring whilst I was overseas. That's a funny story on its own. <laughs> yes. Um, so I have to have, you know, done specific moments of specific things such as like, you know, removing shareholder, um, 
other things, uh, remo uh, removing the development team, uh, working in Israel and doing all the things I had to do with Australia, then I had come to this reality that I needed a tech team. So I needed to hire my first software lead dev. And to do that, uh, I reached out to my network. I always say that I've approached more software developers and they've rejected me more times than I've approached investors and they've rejected me. <laughs> like, honestly, like I investment, that's okay. Software developers and trying to convince them to work for an e-commerce, mostly female-focused fashion company. With little to no pay. Yeah, with little to no pay, with a lot of effort and time that they needed to put in to work alongside me, to live with me. That was probably a very difficult thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, you've got a gift and you managed to pull it off. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I did. So that was the second roadblock. I convinced a friend from high school who I had lost touch with uh, from Townsville. He was working with Safety Culture at that point, which is a massive startup as well in Australia. And he, I was like, can you come live with me in my apartment and build my product for little to no pay and uh, work alongside me and try and figure out if we can do this in six months. He had a girlfriend back home as well. So I was, I was mind blown. He's like, yeah, I'm driving down now. That's awesome. And he lived with me. <laughs> he believed in your product and your vision. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Honestly, like you're convincing someone with a life, right? Mm. A life in a different city with a girlfriend, with like a whole, you know, a job, routine, a job, to leave his job, to come work for you, to live with you, which obviously means that you're going to work beyond the hours expended mm -hmm. to help design and maneuver the product. And he, yeah, he's still with us and he's yep. still only dev. And wow. Yeah, and I convinced him. <laughs> so since then, you've had some pretty amazing accomplishments. So oh, thank you. <laughs> do you want to share a little bit about sure. some of the highs now, I suppose? Yeah, absolutely. So I, when I left Israel last year, I came back to a team. So I hired a marketing manager, mm -hmm. I had a salesperson then, um, like a business development manager and my software lead dev, which, mm -hmm. was, uh, which was great because he was my high school friend as well. And that ultimately, ultimately and basically made us like a family. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is hiring is a really big thing when it comes to startups. And mm -hmm. I think hiring people with similar traits as well as different skill sets is really good. Mm -hmm. You know, my marketing manager and the way I speak to her is completely different to the way I speak to my lead dev. And it's those soft people skills that are oh, like, yes. you don't usually develop that until you sort of hit your mid to late 20s. Some people even their 30s because that's when they start to advance in their careers. But you had a lot jam-packed in such a short period of time. Yes, yes. You had to develop it quite quickly. Yes, no, absolutely. It's the soft people skills because you don't understand, I think, the gravity of how important that is until yeah. you come back and your employees come back to you and you tell them, look, we're running out of runway, and they go, look, if you need us to work for free just to continue the company. That's amazing. Until you raise your funds and... For them to come back and say that to you, like honestly, made me cry. I don't think I cry very often, but I do cry at that. Aww. When those employees or like the people that are around you believe in you so much that they're yeah. willing to put a free, like 
work for you for free and that's when you like you've got a solid team yeah and that's what investors look for isn't it don't yes you? because you, you at the moment don't have a product well no you do now no so we do so we can download our app on yeah. ios and android now when so we, we first caught up we hadn't quite launched yeah. it yet <laughs> yeah so we do we can um, download it zero on both ios and android yeah so make sure you download guys okay. check it out <laughs> check it out we also have a youtube channel so if you are watching this on youtube please watch our youtubes as well yeah so, um, yeah, so you've accomplished some amazing things. You're heading down to Melbourne tomorrow for, um, you've been selected to yes. be a part of a small group that are going to be pitching to VCs. Yes, correct. So um, we're currently raising a second round and we just been selected out of, I think they said 500 startups mm-hmm. to pitch to some of the top VCs like Blackbird and Airtree mm. um, in Melbourne tomorrow. So I spent a lot of my time really which is kind of funny because when you first build your product you're spending so much time with your team and cultivating those relationships and mm. you know understanding like oh your app should have a swipe up or like with <laughs> what feature that should be and now most of my time is literally traveling yeah. pitching yeah which is another skill set i think that you need to have and yeah. it's so weird in a startup where you can go from tech and you know building the product to like next thing you know have no control over the product letting yeah. your team kind of control it for a bit until you raise your capital so and how do you go about doing that a 24 year old female pitching to quite senior people who have a lot of successful businesses themselves like yeah. how did you develop those skills it's <laughs> <laughs> a hard question um Honestly, how can one develop those skills, I suppose, should probably be more the question. Now that you have them, what would be some advice if people are looking to try and get an idea that they have up off the ground? How could they learn to sort of, I suppose, because you're quite confident as well and you can hold your own and like you're Mm. quite knowledgeable. So yeah, what what would be some key attributes that you think people can try and possess to be able to do that as well? I think that, honestly, I don't, it's... Personality comes a long way. It really mm. does. So having confidence, but confidence comes from knowledge. Mm. And so if you understand the value mm. of your company mm. and the value of your team, like mm. I would, I think like I, I, I think I spoke to you the other day. Like I've sat down with some really high influential network, uh, high net worth individuals, and their questions when it comes to like raising money mm. isn't what's your three-year turnover or you know like where do you see the company going that wasn't the first question out of the mouth honestly one of the first questions and this is swear to god mm. will your team jump off a cliff for you <laughs> that's like that is one of the questions you know, like, are you all family <laughs> yeah exactly do you yeah. like what you do do you love your team would mm. they go to the ends of the earth for you mm. Those are the questions they'll po- like they'll pose to you mm. at such an early stage. It might be different, obviously, if obviously like your Series B, Series C, but at early stage startup, mm-hmm. your financials are out of whack. You know, like your cu- your customer acquisition cost poly isn't going to be what it is. Uh, you're still testing all the time, and so they want to know that they've got a solid team behind it, mm. and all the people around it to cultivate mm. the product mm. is are all friends. Yeah. And especially when you're a sole founder, you don't have that founder saying, oh, this is my friend or this is my boyfriend who's working with me. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, they do want to know that like your team is solid behind mm. you. And I think so. I think confidence, but also the knowledge mm. of your business. So, yes, it's going to be excruciatingly painful. Trust me, I've done it to do your financial figures. Just do it, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. 
these conversations with my clients all the time. <laughs> yes, yeah, so just do it. Like, yes, you don't want to know what you're really doing. Like, I took um, it's one of those software. No, sorry, not software. It's one of those companies that do like small fifteen minute uh, crash courses. Oh yeah. Uh, online, I can't remember what it's called. If I do, I'll link it below. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, just just do them. Like watch yeah. them do a financial modeling course. It's like fifteen dollars. Yeah. Uh, it might give you like three hours of content, um, and it'll just tell you. Is it new to me? Yes. yes. You did it. Yeah. That's a great side. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, just do them. Like financial modeling. So you're gonna in a startup, you're always going to find you're always gonna come across these barriers mm-hmm. and you always need to upskill yourself to learn more about it. And some of them are gonna be really fun, like marketing and I love that. I love mm-hmm. marketing and understanding it with my marketing manager. Mm-hmm. But even then, she still has like so. For example, your marketing is great, but then understanding analytics and then having mm-hmm. your making sure that your marketing manager appreciates analytics as much as the marketing side of things, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I had to learn not just that. I also had to learn about the tech stack that we have and like financials. Yeah, and it's just part of being any other founder. Yes, it's going to be painful, and yes, it's going to take you months to understand and fully conceptualize what your financials look like and yes you can outsource but how do you know if you're getting a good job yes and don't i don't think you should it's very early stage because you your financials is going to be a reflection of your business and if you don't know your financials how is the investor going to know what your business is about Mm. in numbers so i would say as i think i explained it to you you've got a vision so that's like the top part and then your vision is then like kind of shrunk down to technology mm. so it's tech languages the tech stack of your business right mm. and then it's shrunk down even more by figures on a spreadsheet yeah so at the end of the day if you really think about the it, hopes and dreams are up at the vision yeah <laughs> the reality's people want to know about the vision but the reality is like oh you know and this month this is our target and this is our revenue forecast and this is how much it's going to cost to run yeah so this is how much it's going to cost and this is where we're going to break even and this is going to be where the 10 times return occurs. I don't know, but... Big bell curve at the yeah, end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know how that works. But honestly, that's where it is. So I think that if you're any founder, you have to be open to doing a lot of things that might be out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and understanding different industries. So I think that when you work full-time for a job, you just kind of focus on one specific thing. For example, when I was in personal bankruptcy, I just did bankruptcies, right? Mm-hmm. I learned about everything about bankruptcy. But in a startup, and if you're a founder, you don't have the capacity to just be marketing mm. or just be technology. Mm. Even co-founders, they mm. still need to understand what they each other do because yeah. you never know who you're going to approach, like a, an investor, and they're going to ask you about your tech stack. And if you're not the tech founder, you can't just be like, oh, you should talk to my co-founder yeah. like who's back in Australia or something yeah. like that. You need to understand that. And yeah. you need to be open to different um, yeah industries and to different knowledge you know gaps mm. well i'm super impressed by what you've got i know everybody else who's watching will be as well and i love how real you are about the journey and like you said you're only 24 and to you this may seem like you're just beginning but to a lot of people you've come so far so oh, well you. done thank you yes uh, i'm always really happy to like if you guys ever want to reach out to me please mm. do i love talking about startups and the gruesome parts of it as well mm. as the highlights I guess and yeah. you know our biggest highlight for our company was when we got accepted oh we got funded by Advanced Queensland to go to London Tech Week yeah. with Queensland's chief entrepreneur um, Leanne Camp yeah. she's amazing she's such a beautiful person and she had raised 
an extraordinary amount in her seed round for her business. And, um, and yeah, we, we were funded as well, which was great. And we wow. met these amazing people, which obviously gave us contacts in the different area and different yeah. industry. So, yeah. yeah. If you guys want to know anything about the different programs we've also attended and what opportunities are there for startups, just reach out. So. Yeah. So for some great advice for startups, Thank build you. your network, guys. Get down and dirty with your business. Learn everything about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And do you have any other advice for anybody who might be looking to start a business or a tech business? Tech business. Um, Especially if they're around your age, because a lot of my clients are around the 24, 25-year-old age bracket. Yeah, I think that the biggest thing, and I've, I think that was one of my first articles I wrote, mm. which became quite actually popular, was uh, the age question. Mm. How old are you? Uh, <laughs> that's a question that I always get, when, especially when it comes to raising. Yeah. And I think that there's this misconception that my people might... Be obviously when you're young, mm. you're gonna have that as a benefit because you have you're young, you probably don't have a mortgage, you probably don't mm. have a family, and so you can put all this time and effort into your business. Mm. But that also exposes you to knowledge gaps because yeah. you're very young, you don't have a lot of experience. I don't have a lot of experience. Mm. Um, I was 22 when I first started this business, and so you are trying to upskill yourself at a really rapid rate yeah. to meet them, to yeah. meet the investors or to meet your team halfway. Yeah. You know, like, because your team is there, but you need to be on top of your team because you still need to guide them. Yeah. So you have to upskill yourself at a really, really rapid rate. And um, I think that when you're young and if you're a 24-year-old founder or if you're younger, and you're willing to start a company, use your age as a benefit or like mm. as a, an advantage, I think. Mm. Um, you know, you're gonna walk into a room full of investors if you're raising capital or events, um, or if your company's funded, like when I was Even to networking. London. Even networking, yeah, like even networking. Um, when I went to London, I was one of the youngest people on the trip, mm. and there was like 40 of us, and I was like, I think the youngest there. And then, yeah, and you're gonna be the youngest person in the room, but don't ever think that you're the least experienced in that room. Yeah, that's so true. No, because honestly, in the startup world, it's not about your age. It's about how far you are in your own business. And every startup is so different. Yeah. So they might know a lot about blockchain, but mm. you might know more about marketplaces. Yeah. So you can still exchange knowledge and value regardless of age. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest advice I would say. I like that. That's a good tip. Thank you. <laughs> So if you want to check out Adzura, make sure you jump on the App Store for Apple. And where do you find it on Android? On Google Play. Google Play. Yes. And we'll put below the links to Shereen's blogs and any other... Oh, Udemy, so you can have a look for yes, some courses. Yes, you Udemy as well, that's very um, cool. And as well as our website. Um, yep. If you ever need anything, just reach me out through reach through to me um, on my website. Great. Well, good luck tomorrow down in Melbourne. Thank I'm you. sure you won't need luck though. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> and thanks for coming on the show. Okay, thanks, Steve. If you found value in this podcast, please let me know by leaving a review. It takes 30 seconds and tells me that you're loving receiving the content from me. It takes time to think of, record and edit these podcasts and I do it to help you on your journey. So please let me know what you think. If you're ready to launch a business, I have a brand new course which will give you the coaching I've been doing with my one-on-one -on -one clients for the past four years inside of a group coaching platform without the expensive price tag of the one-on-one -on -one coaching and it's delivered online with weekly check-ins so even the busiest person like me can manage the course load. 
I work a full-time job, am studying at uni and running my own successful consulting business. So everything I create for you as my client is tested to make sure it can be achieved with the busiest lifestyle. I've priced the course so it's cheaper than a couple of Uber Eat meals a week and you will get me as your business coach, taking you through the entire process to launch your business successfully with the proper foundations for growth. So if you're ready to take the next step to break your mold and achieve the lifestyle you deserve, click on the link in the show notes and sign up for the Launchpad course. If you haven't got a business idea yet, I offer a seven-day business idea challenge, which will help you find your purpose or why in life and match it with any number of epic business ideas. You do this challenge with a group of people so you can bounce ideas around and learn from everybody's insights. The challenge has been a huge success. So if you're ready to find your purpose or an epic business idea and learn how to validate it before launching it, sign up for the challenge and join our next intake. I appreciate you all for listening and I hope you have an amazing day wherever you're listening in the world.